Steve Jones presents Jonesy's Jukebox. Listening to Jonesy's Jukebox on KLOS. That was the Rolling Stones, Loving Cup from Exile on Main Street. And before that was Iggy Pop, Gimme Danger from Raw Power. Yesterday was Mr. Pop's birthday. He was 72. Happy birthday, James Jimmy Osterberg. Um, it is exactly nine minutes after 12 bells on a lovely uh, Monday, Southern California. And uh, that's about it. We're here with Don Felder. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> no, I only told you I was telling you earlier that I have a horrible English accent because I was just in the UK for a couple of days yeah. doing press. Yeah. So you got a new album out? I do, yeah. And uh, do you sing? Do you sing I do. I sing everything on this record, yeah. And you're going to tour with this record? Yeah, I've been touring for, gosh, over 10 years. You like singing? I, I prefer playing guitar, yeah. but it, you, I love to be able to sing, write, and play. You know, that's something that I respect the most in an artist that writes their own songs, sings their own songs, and plays their own yeah. songs. Yeah, yeah, nice one. And you got, uh, on the title track, you got Slash playing with you. Yeah, he lives down the street from me, and uh, I actually wrote one of the verses in that song, American Rock and Roll, that mentions Slash and Axl Rose and Guns N' Roses for that period where they were just off the charts. And so I said, you know, it'd be really nice to have Slash come in and just play a couple of licks in that verse. So he lives down the street from me. He popped in with one day with a guitar in his hand, and I plugged in a guitar, and the next thing I know, an hour later, he and I have played all over the whole record and just put it together. Together, it turned out really well. So you, you, you did the record at your house? Uh, I have a studio in my home. I've had a studio in my house since 1980 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So when I go home, I actually don't get to lay out by the pool and you know, lay out and enjoy the California sun. I go to work in the studio or come to see you guys in the studio. Well, why don't you... Uh uh, lie out in the daytime and work at night. Oh, I don't work at night. There's nothing going on after midnight that I haven't done and that I don't need to do again, to tell you the truth. Yeah. <laughs> it's all bad stuff. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm I'm normally in bed by 11.30, watching TV and fall asleep. Do you watch much TV? Uh, yeah, yeah, I turn it on, but I usually fall asleep uh, by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Yeah. I like to have the noise because I get so used to it on the road when yeah. you hear elevators and yeah. hallways and cars going, you know, so I just have, like, a superfluous noise going on. Well, what I got is I have a fan. What's his name? What, what's his name? <laughs> what's her name, Fanny. I should say? Fanny. <laughs> Fanny, ooh. ooh. Sounds interesting. No, but I like that noise. Yeah. That from a fan. I, I don't want the fan on because I want a fan on. I just like that. You don't hear nothing outside. Is it an oscillating fan that goes back and forth? One yeah. Of those old oh, those are great because when it aims at you, you can hear it a little better and then it, yeah. it turns. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. I, love, I, love, I love that. Yeah. And I've got, I've got one hidden in case one breaks. <laughs> a spare fan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, ooh. How many songs did you write in the Eagles? Wow, uh, that actually wound up on the records. Yeah, uh, 
I think I had like six or eight songs, yeah. something like that. I'm not sure. But like for the Hotel California record, I think I wrote 15 or 16 song ideas yeah. and gave copies to everybody. But only two wound up on the record. Uh, one became Hotel California and another one became Victim of Love. So, yeah. But there's 14. As a matter of fact, I should go back and find those tracks because I bet you there's some good song ideas in there. I'm I sure should there go is. back and redo them, yeah. See what see what you get from coming on here. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, I wrote the what became later the song Heavy Metal for the Long Run record for Joe and I to play all those guitar parts and those harmonies together yeah. and solo against each other as a follow-up to Hotel California. Yeah. And we never got to the point where we had enough time to finish all the tracks on that record before we just strangled each other. So we had to get out of the studio and go on the road yeah. and it laid there dormant until somebody called me from I think Universal that was making that movie, Heavy Metal, and say, come look at this movie. And uh, I went and looked at it, and the next thing I know, the guys asked me to write a song for it. And so I remembered that track, and I said, you know, if I go back and re-record that same track, write lyrics about heavy metal, and I do all the guitar parts, maybe it'll work in this movie. And actually was my first solo kind of hit that came out uh, yeah. after I left the Eagles. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times. Well, I don't know if you have, but the the, you know, the 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 famous lead in Hotel California with you and Joe are, uh, are riffing and harmonizing and the rest of it. How did that come up? Did you like sit down in a in just sit down and work it out before you, or did you figure it out in the studio? Well, a, a lot of that, so, uh, a lot of that, I wrote a demo when Joe joined the band. Okay. He and I had been playing off each other in these shows like Joe Walsh and Friends, which if you go on YouTube and and Google that, you can see Joe and I doing that stuff together live before he joined the Eagles. So once he joined the Eagles, I wanted to write something that Joe and I could do that on on record in the band. Yeah. So I sat down and wrote this demo idea with all the chord progressions, the chorus change changes and everything, but I didn't write any lyrics because I was told by Bernie Ledden when I joined the band, if you want to write songs with Don Henley and Glenn Fry, don't write songs. Just write music beds. Give them tracks to sing on top yeah. of. And to, so I made this whole thing, and on the very end I said, you know, I'd play something like this, and then Joe would play something kind of like this, and I'd play this. And but So it was just a demo. I just made it up in a little beach house in Malibu. Yeah. I put it on a cassette with all those other song ideas and made copies and gave one to Don Henley, one to Glenn Fry, one to Joe Walsh, and one to Randy Meisner, who was the bass player at the time. I said, if there's anything on here you guys like and you want to finish writing, let me know and we'll get together and you know work on it. Henley called me a couple of days later and said, I like that song that sounds kind of like a Mexican reggae. Yeah. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. Yeah. So I went, great. We went in the studio. We recorded the track three different times. Once in L.A. in the wrong key and twice down in Miami in Criteria. When it finally came to the time where Joe and I were going to sit down and play those guitar parts on the end, I thought we would do exactly what you said. Sit down, two guitar players in the control room plugged into two amps out in the studio, crank it up, hit play and record, and we just go at each other like we'd been doing, you know, for months before that. Yeah. That's what we started doing. And Don Henley came back in the control room and said, stop, what are you doing? We said, well, we're doing the guitar parts on these. That's not right. You have to do it like the demo. I said, that was over a year ago. I have no idea what I made up. I hadn't listened to that. So we had to call from the studio in Miami to my house out in Malibu and have my housekeeper go find that cassette, yeah. put it in a blaster, play it, hold the phone up to the blaster while we recorded it in Miami. And I had to sit down and learn what I had just made up 
Yeah. And part of it was the parts that Joe wound up using, you know, that he played. And then we did some Joe-isms. Now, we got to the end of the thing, and Joe said, we need to do something that's like diddly-diddly-diddly. And I went, well, what do you mean, diddly, diddly, diddly? <laughs> so we sat down and figured out what his diddly, diddly would be and yeah. then what my harmony would be on it. And we literally recorded the end of that record, those harmony parts, bar by bar yeah. by bar. It took three days for us to do just those solos on the end of that yeah. to make them just perfectly in tune. Yeah. There was no auto time correct and none of the digital stuff. You either played it right or it didn't happen. Yeah. So then we got on the sound stage to rehearse to go out on the Hotel California tour. And Joe and I went, uh-oh, how are we going to play this stuff? <laughs> we just we can't put it together bar by bar. So we had to go woodshed and learn how to play that stuff there on the spot. You know? yeah. So it, uh, it was a wonderful thing to be able to do it and write it and put it together uh, in the studio. But it was a challenge. And still today, the most challenging thing that I play live in my Is show, it? of course, it's technical. You can't make a mistake. It's yeah. like singing the wrong words in the wrong verse. Everybody knows it. Everybody. When you hit a bad note, yeah. it glares out. And people are like, oh. <gasps> So you can't step up and do a sloppy job on it. You got to play it meticulously. Yeah. Well, it is a, it is a memorable piece. It was worth all the work. Yeah. You know, all the yelling and arguing and labor that we put into making such great records in the long run, in hindsight, was well worth it. That we made some just masterpieces that nearly killed us. Glenn said we made this beast and it almost ate us. <laughs> you know, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a crazy story. Should we play some music? Sure. New song. Yeah. American Rock and Roll. Yeah. Featuring Slash. This is the one we're going to play. We're here with Don Felder. You're listening to Jonesy's Jukebox on Cal OS. You're listening to Jonesy's Jukebox on Cal OS. That was Eagles, Victim of Love. And before that was a new track by Don Felder, American Rock and Roll featuring Slash title track from his new solo album out now would you have a record label or would you just sell stuff on itunes no i'm um, very proud and happy to be a family member of the bmg group burleson uh, music group and those people have been so nice both their la offices their new york offices i've been to their uh, uk offices and their paris offices they're just really a great company i'm very happy to be part of their family yeah do you know where i met you before I don't. You don't? I don't. I'll tell you where I met you, Don. Okay. See, as soon as you do in English, I go into America. <laughs> okay, let's switch then. <laughs> go on then. All right, well, go on. Well, I'll tell you where I met you, Don. On California Cason, the, the, the TV show, you played at the, uh, the rap party. That's right. That was probably five years ago or something I was there doing that. So now you're doing American again. But you know, you know what's funny is that the lady that contacted me to play that party, her last name was Felder, and we're actually related because when I got her email, it was like Virginia Felder or somebody. I went, "Where are you from? Where are your ancestries?" And so she said, "Yeah, well, and we found out that we're connected back that we are part of the Felder clan, I guess at this point." Yeah, <laughs> you didn't, you didn't do us, you didn't do any acting in. Pardon, Californication, did you? No, I didn't. Uh, I have enough trouble just acting normal, to tell you the truth, as opposed to actually acting a character or something on television. And most actors I know have trouble acting normal, to tell you the truth. Yeah, so. and you played you played uh, Cali Calif that song, Hotel
we just made some stuff up, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, it was fun. I got up and played because I was in two ep- episodes, two seasons. Uh-huh. I was acting on it two seasons. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it was a fun night. Manson got up. Uh-huh. Did you stick around? I him? didn't. I uh, literally slid out of there pretty much after Tom and I were done and yeah. uh, grabbed a couple of bottles of water and hit the trail before the traffic yeah. flood out of the place. It's funny that you've got that woman related to you because Tom Jones is related to me too. Is he really? No, he's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, Don. Yes, sir. Um, so, what, what was we going to talk? You were you were saying some gold when we was playing that music. We said, "Don't wait, save it." Yeah, no, I was selling that that song, "American Rock and Roll." This really goes back to what I think is the nuclear rock explosion in uh, the worldwide history of Woodstock. I was at Woodstock in 1968. I saw Jimi Hendrix. You was in the crowd. Yeah, I was in the crowd, soaking wet, covered with mud, along with the 400,000 other people that were there. Uh, Hendrix, uh, Janis Joplin, um, Grateful Dead, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, you name it. Uh, Carlos Santana. It was a phenomenal event. And I think the repercussions of that level of exposure to the world really traveled everywhere. All these people that are on this record were impacted either directly by that or in generations later by people like Jimi Hendrix. Slash is a huge Jimi Hendrix fan. So, you know, those acts that were on that show not only impacted me and influenced me, but all the other artists that are on this record. So uh, as you go through that song, uh, verse by verse by verse, it progresses from one decade to the next to the next, mentioning artists that came out in following decades all the way down to the grunge guys, grunge guys up in Seattle, yeah. Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. As a matter of fact, people say, why do you hate Billy Joel so much? You called him an idiot. I went, no, it's Billy Joe Armstrong, and he was the biggest idiot of all with American Idiot, right? Oh, the album. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah, so I, Does okay, he know you called him an idiot, you think? No, no, no. It was a tip of the hat to him and his success with oh. American Idiot. Everybody that I mentioned in that, I mentioned in a very kind of positive uh, pat on the back way, you know. It's not an idiot. It's just that I did say, and Billy Joe was the biggest idiot of it all, meaning yeah. he had a huge success at the very end of that period. Yeah. You know? Out of all the back, was you? Did you watch all three, three days and nights at Woodstock? Well, what I can remember, amongst all the other things I was consuming at the time, I think I saw all. What are you saying, Don? What are you saying, Don? <laughs> it was a flower power, mind blowing experience. Well, it is, isn't it? It's got to be. I mean, it's Woodstock for crying out loud. Yeah, and you know they tried a couple of other times to reenact that, and every time it's just. They no, miserably by comparison. That was one of them moments, and that was yeah. it. It passed on. Of That's course, it. everyone wanted to do it again. Yeah. But so, but you did saw Jimi Hendrix. I did. And and what did you think of him prior? Uh, did you had you seen him or anything prior no, to I'd that? No, I heard his records, obviously. Okay. But live, his energy was absolutely phenomenal. As a matter of fact, I just did a thing for the museum, Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. Yeah. I did a show there about four years ago with me and Steve Miller. At the end of my show, I always play Hotel California. Yeah. My guitar tech comes walking out from the wings, carrying that white double neck, and the crowd sees it and just goes, yeah. 
And the sitting in the audience happens to be the curator for the Museum of Art, Met Metropolitan Museum. He sees that and he has this moment of epiphany where he says the musical instrument and the audience and the song have a connection where they can recognize certain songs based on the instruments. He calls the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and a few years later they have put together this event at the Met right now called Play It Loud. It's the history of rock and roll guitar starting back with Chuck Berry's very first Gibson guitar that he played doing his duck walk across the stage playing Johnny B. Good all the way through the Everly Brothers guitars uh, Elvis himself that white Stratocaster that Hendrix played at Woodstock that I saw him play live is on display there Uh, Jimmy Page's double neck and Les Paul is there my double necks included Van Halen's guitar all the people that have been so legendary in influencing uh, rock and roll today that came out of that Woodstock era are on display there are they a pain to play the double neck? They're, they're a pain to carry around. They weighed like if you had two guitars on your back, they're heavy. So I think the back problems that I have today are directly related to carry, <clears throat> excuse me, carrying that thing around. Yeah. <coughs> okay. But uh, it, so it was the only way I could figure out how to play Hotel California live. Yeah. But, you know, there's another song on this record we should talk about, too, called Rock You. Uh, we're going to lead into that. Yes, sir. Well, that was a really uh, uncomfortable uh, kind of transition there, but I thought we should do it, you know. Anyway, it's called Rock You, and I wanted to write this song that was a big stadium kind of um, song. You could see, like, I remember playing one of the first shows we played in a big stadium was actually in Wembley Stadium, and Elton John was headlining, and a couple of other people were on the bill, and the Eagles were on it, and there was 110,000 people at Wembley Stadium watching this. I remember standing on stage, and if you've ever watched a baseball game and you watch a guy hit a ball, and the further away you are from it, the longer it takes for the sound to arrive. Yeah. Well, standing on the stage, you could see these waves of people jumping up and down in time to the music, but they were going out like those people doing the waves yeah, in the yeah. stadium and stand up. And the magnitude of what was there was just unbelievable to me. So I wanted to do a song where we everybody could jump up and down in a big stadium like that. So I wrote this song called Rock You. And I called up Sammy Hagar, who has just great rock and roll voice. And I said, Sammy, I've got this stadium rock song. I'd love to do a duet with you. He said, well, come on up to my studio. I flew up to Sausalito with my little hard drive tucked under my arm, went to the studio, plugged it in. He comes in, and 45 minutes later, I've sung a verse, he sung a verse, he sings part of the chorus. I sing it. We just put this vocal together. Just as we're finishing up there, Joe Satriani comes walking down the hallway, and he keeps his guitars in the back of Sammy's studio. I said, he does? Joe. Yeah, because he plays in Chickenfoot with, with Sammy, right? So he's got some gear stash there. I say, Joe, get in here. Bring a guitar. you got to play guitar on this record with me. So he comes in and we plug in in the studio, much like we did with Walsh. And he and I make up these trade solos and these harmony parts on the end of the record and just have a great time doing that. In about an hour it's done. Not three days. It was about an hour. And then, just as we're getting ready to wrap up, Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead has a studio about two blocks away from Sammy's place. When there's nothing going on over at uh, Bob's studio, he wanders over to get a cup of coffee and hear some jokes and just hang out. And I said, Bob, see that mic up? Go out there and sing, rock you on this mic. So we got about five Bob Weirs yeah. as well as a bunch of other people on this on this song. It's just really a fun, heavy kind of rock and roll song. Not we will rock you, just rock you. Rock you. Yeah. You listen to Jonesy's Jukebox and KLOS with Don Felder. Got a new album out. It's out now, 
and this is a track called Rock You. You're listening to Jonesy's Jukebox on KLOS. That was Jimi Hendrix, Purple A's from Woodstock. And we're here with Don Felder and his song Rock You. That's from his new album. What else you got? You got any info there, Don? Yeah, I just got, uh, you know, really when I started to make this record, I wanted to just have a rock and roll party in my studio and invite people that I knew were really fun to work with, great players, and could make this record pretty much just having a party together. So I invited a lot of people to be on this record, and literally everybody that I spoke with, not a single one of them said, no, I'm too busy, I can't, well, let's find another date. Everybody adjusted their schedule to to accommodate me. So, uh, like I said, Sammy Hager was singing that uh, Rock You as a duet. That's Joe Satriani playing guitar with me on it. Uh, Bob Weir singing uh, in the choruses, Rock You. Uh, Satriani plays guitar on it with me. Um, There's some other songs like Slash played on American Rock and Roll with me. Uh, Peter Frampton and I did about 15 shows together where he was out doing this uh, Frampton's Guitar Circus and I would sit in and play three or four songs. We just became great friends. I inducted him into the Nashville Musicians Hall of Fame. A year later, he inducted me into the Nashville's Musicians Hall of Fame. Uh, And so when he was on tour, he had this one sound that he would plug in this Les Paul into this Leslie speaker that spins around and it just sounds angelic. The way he plays and that tone when I was writing this song called The Way Things Have to Be I kept I put, wrote it on piano and I kept hearing his tone on it so I called him up and asked if he would play that sound on this record I flew back to Nashville and literally within a couple of hours he had set up his stuff and we did it and it turned out beautifully a guy named Alex Lifeson from a band called Rush. I don't know if you know Alex. Unbelievable guitar player. I mean, he is the guitar sound on every Rush record. He and I have played uh, golf and charity events, gotten up and jammed on Pride and Joy. He's played on Hotel with me, just friends. So once I had heard that Rush had decided to not tour anymore... I thought Alex is probably sitting around twiddling his thumbs, waiting for something fun to do. So I asked if he'd like to play on this record, and he said, absolutely. So he played on this one song called Charmed, and it's about as you go through the business and you get all these accolades and you have a Ferrari and a big house and you're making lots of money and you've got a private jet and a tin chick hanging on your arm and all this stuff. If the passion is not in the music, it's all lost its charm. It's not worth it. You just don't, you know, you don't get that satisfaction of that energy. So being Canadian, as most Canadians are, very humble, unless you're a hockey player, they don't care if you're a musician or a movie star. They don't, they don't praise that. But if you're a hockey player, you are, you know, king up there. So Alex was kind enough to play on that song, Charmed, which I thought was really the appropriate place for him. Richie Sambora plays on this record with me. Uh, I went over to his house. He had set up his studio up in the kitchen which was the oddest place I'd ever made a recording. But the good thing was you could just reach out and grab the coffee pot and top off your cup and put the coffee back down in between overdubs. You didn't have to leave. And so we're there, Richie and I are playing away, and I look around and Orianthe comes walking down the staircase. And I'd completely forgotten that Orianthe was with Richie at the time. She comes down, she's got on some cut-off jeans and a T-shirt and a baseball hat. It's like 11 o'clock in the morning. I said... Go get that guitar over there and come over here and plug in. So I got her to play on this record, and she just unbelievable. She should be 
what I consider the female version of Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan. She is so gifted and so talented and so just kind of overlooked. If you watch This Is It, that Michael Jackson movie, yeah. she's the guitar player in that. She is unbelievable. Yeah. So I was so happy just by coincidence that she showed up and just jammed on that. As a matter of fact, if you go to Don Felder Music uh, on my Instagram site, you can see her standing in that kitchen playing that solo. It's, it's just on fire. But I got Mick Fleetwood playing drums on this record. Yeah. Uh, Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers yeah. playing on it. Uh, Todd Zuckerman from Styx, amazing drummer. Steve Gadd, uh, Jim Keltner, a couple of guys from Toto, David Jim. Page. Oh, Jim is unbelievable. David Page and Steve Beccaro, a uh, keyboard player, and uh, played on it. Nathan East played on this record for because. me. Yeah, absolutely. And then I had a guy named Bob Clearmountain in the mix this thing. And yeah, yeah. Probably the most notorious, admired hi-fi mixing engineer yeah. in the history of the yeah, business. Yeah, no, he's good. And then I had this guy Bernie Grunman master it. Now, when I'm sitting in Bernie Grunman's mastering lab, he calls over assistant and sends him out to get something. They go get it and go walk back in, and it's this tape box. And on it, I look at it, and it's the original two-track mix master of Hotel California. He not only mastered it 40-something years ago, but every reissue version, he's remastered it. And he's sitting there mastering my record and showing me what he did 40-something years yeah. ago. And the artwork on the cover of it is a guy's uh, artwork named Bernie Toppin. I don't oh, know yeah. if you know Bernie, right? But he, He's it, terrible at lyrics. <laughs> yeah. He's only written a couple of hits with uh, Elton John. But so everybody... He's in, got a Ferrari, I bet. Everybody involved with this record, from the artwork to mastering, mixing, the artists that are on it, the record label BMG is fantastic. It's just really been a really high-caliber performance and, and, and a lot of fun for me yeah. to do. Nice one, Don. Well, we got our... Uh, Visit the Duke, and thanks for coming in, and uh, good luck to you. Thank you so much. Don oh, I Felder. appreciate you having me on oh, the show. Okay, Don, that's All great. Right. Don Felder, everybody. <laughs> Jones's Jukebox, KLOS. You're listening to Jones's Jukebox and KLOS. That was Santana, Soul Sacrifice. That was from Woodstock. Don Felder's left the building. Mr. Shovel looks like he's dying to say something. Well, yeah, we have these Disneyland California Adventure after dark tickets to give away join Kel OS and Disney California Adventure Park for a special Disney After Dark Superhero Universe on April 30th caller 25 right now at 800-955-KLOS wins a pair of tickets to this special after hours event and those are provided by Disneyland 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 Zoolander uh, when we come back, don't forget it's Earth Day today. Not that anyone gives a toss, but uh, so we're going to play some uh, Earth songs. Probably the first one we're going to play, like we always do whenever it's Earth Day, is Sparks, Don't Turn Your Back on Mother Earth. But before that, we're going to visit the Duke because it's great. Thank you. Listening to Jones's Jukebox and KLOS. That was uh, Neil Young and Crazy Horse. I'd say it was crazy. Like a hurricane live. Beautiful. And to the last note, just the end of the world. Then we had the Neurotic Outsiders. That was uh, Planet Earth. That was sung by John Taylor. 
neurotic outsiders, if you're not not aware of them. It was me, John Taylor, Duff McKagan, and Matt Sorum. And that was uh, obviously a Duran Duran song, Planet Earth. Doors, not to touch the earth. Sparks, never turn your back on Mother Earth. Ah, oh, we're going to visit the Duke, and uh, but we, before we do that, we've got a little contest. Yeah, we're still doing 5K Fridays, so we'll take caller 25 right now at 800-955-KLOS. You get in the running for the $5,000 we're giving away every Friday at 530 with Gary Moore, and you win tickets to Hart and Joan Jett at the Hollywood Bowl September 9th, and those tickets are provided by LNHS. I'm watching Chelsea on the box here, making hard work of it playing Burnley. It's 2-2. Two, two. I mean, this is a good game. If we, you know, Tottenham lost, Arsenal lost. If we can win this, we can go up. Definitely, I think, getting ended fourth place, which is what I would be happy with if we can just get in fourth place. But we are making a meal of this, man. 2-2. Two, two. 68 minute. Pray for the Blues. Please help me. Play for that earth that they're playing on. There's earth underneath that grass. Mother Earth, please, help me. We're going to visit the Duke. When we get back, we're going to play some more earthy songs for Mother Earth and your mother. See you in a minute. I don't know if you noticed, but he did say Mother Nature, and that was the only thing <laughs> that had to do with Earth Day. The Kinks, Eight Man... From the Lola versus Power Man album, that was a good one. Bob Marley and the Whalers, Concrete Jungle, Thin Lizzy, Mama Nature says from the Vagabond of the Western World. I'm watching Chelsea here painfully. It looks like it's going to be a draw. What a nightmare! What a bl- blew it. Could have went third place. Would have won this. It's two-two. There's about 30 seconds left. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Gary Moore's up next. I'm just blah, blah, blah until the end of this game. Well, actually, I don't need to be on the... I I could just end the show right now. I can still watch the game. But hang on. Hang on. We're in the box. This has got to be the last play of the game. Got to be the last play of the game. Oh. Oh. Nothing. Okay. It's a corner. It's a corner to Chelsea. This has got to be the last touch. How about them Packers out there? Did you see them 49ers having a great day? How are you, everybody? (laughs) You have to describe what's happening. That's it. It's a draw. We blew it. We didn't blow it. We will go into fourth place above Arsenal. That's it. What are you going to do? Perfect opportunity. I don't know. (laughs) I guess I'll see you tomorrow at 12 bells. Hey, everybody, see you later.